So you know what um, episode this is? I do. It's massive. <laughs> it's huge. We thought we'd do 10 episodes, and here we are. It's episode 250 has arrived. I know. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I hope you're going to put a fanfare in. Well, yeah, big trumpets and yes. lots of stuff like that. Yeah, there needs to be. Confetti, everything. Yeah, make it spectacular. Okay, will do. everybody to episode 250 of the mid-faith 250 of the mid-faith crisis podcast uh yeah here we are uh, my name's nick page and there is joe davis yes and here we are still i wonder if there's anyone out there who's listened to all 250 oh i think there are because people write in don't they and say look i'm punishing myself they, they um, used to yeah i they, they write in the subtext is i hate myself uh, i have a lot of self-loathing <laughs> yeah. and uh therefore i'm listening to every episode Feel the need to punish myself yeah, exactly i know that is no. a thank you everyone for sticking with it those of you that have and a particular well done to anyone who's listened to 250 episodes of this yeah, do let us know if you have. You know, particularly if you've never contacted... If you've listened to 250 episodes and you've never contacted yes, us. Yes, that would be lovely. Yeah. Yeah, let us know. I mean, you might have deliberately never wanted to contact us either. I mean, but, you know, you know just let us know what you've been doing. You do it anonymously if you want. Uh, I can't even say... It's easy for you to say. <laughs> yes, that's it. 250 episodes and we're more professional than ever before. Yes, Get we in. are. Slick. <laughs> so listen church notices well yeah just a chris scott event i mean in the in the spirit of confession i think i may have said the wrong day last time it's october the 7th not not saturday october the 8th there is no saturday the october the 8th but the 8th which is a sunday is rachel's birthday so i was getting confused saturday october the 7th this year is the day that chris scott is coming to speak in worthing worthing baptist church and we're just going to have a conversation. Uh, two and a half hours. Tickets available through all your favourite ticket. Of, no, they're not, actually. You can get them either on our <laughs> website or, or look on our Facebook page and you'll find a link there. So that'd be great. Lovely to see you. Can you get them at extortionate prices on this sort of secondary market, like Taylor Swift tickets? That's right. Yeah. And then they they go on a secondary market for hundreds, thousands of pounds. Yeah. Hmm. yeah i've always wanted to go to worthing baptist church i don't know if i can join the queue to get in anyway yes you never asked to visit that church i noticed on your tour of churches no i was no because my tour of churches is ancient saxon medieval churches worthing baptist church is not that it might have people with ancient Saxon medieval attitudes in. I don't know. I don't know those people. It's quite a progressive church, actually. It is. Great. Yeah, mm. good. Mm. Um, well, how are you, anyway? I'm okay, thank you. Yeah, not bad. I, uh, I've i just been helping my uh, in-laws move. That's always a, a difficult time for them. Not so difficult for me, but I don't know about you, but I quite like doing manual stuff. I really enjoy helping people move and lifting stuff, but they had... They had removal people that lifted all the heavy stuff and then I was just fapping around a bit like a spare part. 
I love doing heavy stuff, so that's good. Um, I went to see Oppenheimer. I'm going to say not as many gags as Barbie <laughs> would be my <laughs> review. Oh, very good. Good review. <laughs> Thank That's you. Very helpful. No, it's sobering. I mean, is that, mm. you know, is that a story about the end of war? You know, they, they he really thought he was going to help end war, I think, by having a weapon so massive. Um, anyway, it's a very interesting story and it's well done. Mm. And um, yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, I'm I'm struggling because I, I thought I had no work next week. I actually have one small job to do next week now. But, you know, just that whole thing about feast and famine, you know, you either run off your feet or it goes all hideously quiet and then you're worried. And we've talked about this mm. many times, but that's where we're at at the moment. And, um, oh, I tell you what. I want a conversation with you because someone wrote in and said they just listened to the episodes about our gospels oh, yeah. and that they'd shown them to their minister and the minister was going to use it in church this Sunday. Your one, not my one. I didn't take that personally, but yours was a bit more pithy than mine. It's a bit more professional, I think, really. Yes, all round. Perhaps a bit more orthodox. Yeah. You know. <laughs> not really. I thought it was very good. Anyway, <laughs> as you know. But I thought it'd be interesting because we did that a couple of years ago. I think it'd be good to just have a little stake in the ground. Where are we at now? Yeah. What, yeah, do, what, what are good. we believing now? You know, and how has our own sort of beliefs shifted if they have shifted over the last couple of years and where we're at? I thought that'd be quite interesting. It would be. And well, I say would be. It would be about as interesting as this ever is. I mean, you know, we're <laughs> yeah, not, it's, not a, it's, not, it's not a high bar. Um <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, we could. What we could do is look at some of those staples that things that we do, you know, in yeah. church, and just revisit all of those. Really, yeah. Because I do want to talk in a minute about the Lord's Prayer, which I'll come on to, which is kind of again one of the sort of fundamentals. So we could talk about creed, communion, Bible. We could just talk oh, the about whole. Where we're at with let's it. just let's just get circle back round to it all. Anyway, I'd yeah, like let's that. Just do the whole two hundred and fifty all over again. <laughs> let's do them again. Let's start at episode one. <laughs> yeah. And that, my friends, is purgatory. Um, <laughs> okay. Yes. So, but yeah, no, no, I'm OK. Thank you. But how how are you? What's going on? Yeah, good, uh, really. Um, you know, ups ups and downs as ever. Uh, it, it, it's a few interesting things. I mean, like, you know, Joe, that I live now in a house with, with low beams. Yes, you do. Right? You're constantly sort of hitting your head against something. Mm. So I walk into the kitchen the other day to find that Claire has hung a dried flower arrangement from one of the beams in the kitchen. I just walked smack into it. <laughs> and I was thinking, why do you do that? Why? We've already got lots of danger for me. Now <laughs> yeah, you don't need more obstructions. <laughs> I didn't need something else to hit my head against. And admittedly, it left a nice sort of lavender scent on my forehead. But, you know. Yeah. Well, at least she didn't put an anvil there or something like no, that. No, that's it true. Was... I tell you, though, she has she's um, she started doing flower arranging um, right. 18 months ago, a couple, couple of years ago um, in, in church and really enjoyed it. OK. And it's one of those things. But, you know, you're talking about gospels or creeds. Yeah. Actually, I would really like at some point to talk about flower arranging in churches. Well, let's do it. I'm more than up for that. Because past me would mock it like mad. Yes. And present me goes anything that brings a bit of beauty to a church. Yeah, there you go. I'm all for it. See how we have changed. 
Yeah, haven't we? Mm, I know. So we'll talk. So we'll do flower arranging. Let's do all the bits of church. Let's do the notices, the coffee. Let's yeah. talk about everything. Okay. Let's reinvent the we're whole gonna go thing. Back. You're going to start find yourself reminiscing by sort of sipping coffee from those little green chipped cups. It, that's the ones with the little three rings around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Very special. Well, you, you, we need a mid-faith crisis take on those. We need a mid-faith crisis take on bell ringing. <laughs> Me too. What's, it, what's it about? Exactly. <laughs> uh, many would say, in fact, the mid-faith crisis podcast is is a load of bells. So, you know, uh, there you go. I thank you. I thank you. Other than that, I've been, um, I've been, I'll tell you what I've been doing. I've been clearing um, paint off um, brickwork. Okay. And stripping it down. As you do. As you do. And uh, and so d- doing a lot of that. And it really struck me. You know how we often talk about um, spiritual warfare as being just sort of one of the metaphors and nobody talks about spiritual agriculture and Claire said that. Yes, part. we did talk about that. Yeah, But actually, spiritual building would be a very good uh, metaphor. It would be. Because, that's a, you know, what the thing you've got to do is when you're taking paint off anywhere, really, so you've got to get it... You've you actually got to do the hard work. You've got to get right back down to basics. If you just mm. paint over flaky paint it's going to fall off again yeah and isn't that mid-faith crisis isn't that kind of what you got you got to get you got to mm. get right back down to it mm. nice there's something yeah. about wineskins there but i can't think what it would be uh oh i think jesus said uh, uh drink as much from wineskins as you can that's he? the that's the passage i'm thinking of thank you <laughs> he said, he said mines are sauvignon blanc um <laughs> And here's what I did want to talk to you about. Yeah. So there was an article in the paper a couple of weeks ago, which um, was about the Lord's Prayer. Yes, indeed. About the Archbishop of York saying that the opening of the Lord's Prayer may be problematical because of its patriarchal associations, i.e. our Father. Yes, indeed. Typically, you get people sort of frothing at the mouth about it and, you know, Mm. saying how awful it would be and, and all this kind of stuff. I do think it's slightly misrepresented the story yes because actually he was talking about the hour wasn't he yes he was uh, he completely was he completely was a, and it was about unity and in truly wonderful church-like style they've reacted to a, a throwaway line and used it for disunity yes yes no irony there at all <laughs> yeah no, they've leapt on the one thing uh, that he might have mentioned and uh you know and and suddenly claimed it he was mm. wanted to get rid of it. He wasn't. But I don't know what you thought about that or what you think mm. about the Lord's Prayer. Because to me, I think the thing about the story was actually the I, I don't have a problem with mm. the father bit. Of course you do. At all. No, because you're part of the oppressive patriarchal system. That is correct. In fact, I've got a little badge <laughs> yeah, with that exactly. on. I've got a T-shirt. You've got a T-shirt, with, <laughs> yeah. With, say, ask me about the oppressive patriarchal system. Oh, yeah. on, you know, exactly. I'm, a, I'm an official representative of it. <laughs> well, do you think that's really an issue? Do you think that's yes. how how big an issue is it? Um, I don't think it's not an issue. If I can put it right. that way, I, yes. yeah, I do think I do think it's uh, an issue. I I think we we are stuck with an incredibly masculine God, as we have talked about before. And I think, you know, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't feel like I could, you know, two men talking about patriarchy isn't the right way forward, is it? But um, but it is insidious, and it's a system that, you know degrades women and is unjust towards women so i think it's probably time for the church as much as possible 
you know, being as the whole Bible narrative is about standing up for the oppressed and the downtrodden and the underdog. And it's probably time for the church to start addressing patriarchy a lot more seriously than it has done. That's what I think. If that meant changing our father to our mother, you know, it wouldn't bother me in the slightest. Mm. But I can Mm. see that it would bother that. I mean, it's a problem to change the words of the Lord's Prayer, like when the Church of England did it and made it a bit more modern and no one then knew it and there was great (laughs) confusion. (laughs) It's a problem changing, messing around with the Lord's Prayer in any way other than the King James Version or whatever it is, is the standard version. Well, I don't know. There There are different versions of it. I, I think there's a few interesting things around it. Do you use it in uh, Soul Place? It's the only paternal reference in the liturgy that we use around right, the communion. It's the only one. And it does cause a little bit of an action. Because, I mean, as I understand it, sort of, you know, pater, father. But mater is comes from mother, but is also you get matter. And and I think that the sort of spirituality I have now is a, is more connected to Mother Nature, feminine spirituality. It's more earthy all round. So, so yeah, the the male references do sort of still have associations. I think with kind of warlike tendencies and almightiness and all that sort of thing. Um, I I find it yeah. helpful to refer to God as Mother more often. Right. I think there's a few things there. One is that I think that's precisely, in fact, what Jesus was challenging. Mm. You know, I think the use of the word father in Luke's version Mm. just begins father. Mm. That was actually a challenge to views of God Mm. straight away to establish views of God. So I don't don't think you should dismiss that uh, lightly. I don't I wouldn't particularly, I think, have a problem with sort Mm. of father, mother, as we've talked about before. I think the history of the Lord's Prayer is quite interesting, but then I do find that interesting. I accept that, Mm. Um, you know, uh, that kind of thing, Uh, because actually, really, there were there were quite a few uh, different versions knocking around in the early church. Yeah. So obviously there's two in the Gospels. There's one in Luke and one in Matthew, which are different, uh, subtly different in 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 small ways. There's also one in the uh, early church book uh, sort of manual called the Didache. Yeah. the teaching, which is also different to the other two. And in fact, virtually all the early references, when it's said, there's 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 some kind of difference in it. It's quite interesting, really. It mm. wasn't established. But it what was established early on was how important it was. Mm. It was really seen as significant, as, as like, like the Eucharist, something that actually you did. In fact, it was so significant that early uh, church leaders refused to teach it to non-baptised yeah. Christians. It was it, it it was it was seen as that powerful, that important, that mystical almost yeah. that you you didn't teach it to people who weren't, you know, established. So what you're saying is Jesus was actually at the time of saying when you pray, pray like this. He was challenging everyone's assumptions. Yes, he was. By using the word father. Now, my question is, as Christians in the 21st century, are we to be like Jesus by preserving everything he said exactly as it was in first century Palestine and repeating it verbatim? Mm. Or are we to become Jesus-like in, in doing the things he did, which is challenging the notions of the day to a more loving, inclusive way of speaking about God? It's a very good question. 
I think there is something to be said for keeping the traditional forms of certain key bits. Mm. You know, I accept the difficulty of it, but I think what brings us together is the fact that you do, in fact, have a prayer that yeah. everybody prays, even though, actually, it's it's a kind of a bit of a mishmash yeah, of different versions. Yeah, it's it's quite funny to me that everybody gets together and says we'll pray the Lord's prayer and then misquotes the Bible. Yes, <laughs> uh, um, and yet it's a church tradition. So yes, I think there is. is something there that maybe there's a a ground where you could change some bits. For me, actually, the problem isn't the father, as I said, for obvious reasons, I guess. Yeah. Uh, for me, the problem is the other end, which is the lead mm. us not into temptation and deliver us from mm. evil mm. bit, because that is a mistranslation, as far as I can tell. Right. What should it or, say? Or, or, well, at least it's it's a theological problem straight away, isn't it? Yes, it is. So, and 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 that's been again from very early on. Theologians going, well, hang on, how does are we saying God tempts us? Then, mm. you know, what are we saying here? In fact, I think the Pope said recently that he wasn't a big fan of that line. Ah. Because another way of, of translating it, and and to be honest, this is a way I often pray it under my breath, or quite quietly, mm. is is to say, and lead us not into the time of trial. Yeah, which is which is a sort of I don't know it raises some other questions, but it, it's sort of saying help me at times when I when yeah. I can't um, cope, and also deliver me from people who want to do evil to me, whoever whoever yeah, or whatever sure. that is. Sure, yeah. Um, so I think you know I do think there's there's a a, a point in sort of relooking at it, but I but even then I would say. Mm, this has been prayed by Christians for two thousand years. I think I think it's one of the few things that brings unity. That we can agree on of yeah. some kind. And now we so, can't. <laughs> so maybe maybe we should tread carefully on that one. Anyway, um, I, I don't know what other people think. Whether they find it helpful, whether it's part of the baggage kind of thing that they've given over. I don't know really. I don't find it particularly helpful. I, I think the only reason we do it at Soul Place is to connect us into the church, to, to the history right. and to the that I think that's the only reason I d I don't find it the most meaningful prayer in the world. Mm. If I'm honest. Maybe we've got too used to it. Maybe, Maybe. we just need to yeah, sure. you know sit and think about it again. Um and to rediscover the, the radical nature of it, I suppose. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and just rewrite it. For the 21st century. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and that's where we might diverge. Right exactly. There. Shall we get on? <laughs> yes, go on. Let's, have we got any feedback? Have we got letters in or emails? Yes, we have. No, we've had a great one. I had a lovely one in from the Royal Mail. They've got a package from the sock shop <laughs> and my sock delivery is due any time. Uh, so happy for you. That's great. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and now I've had lots of advertising for the sock shop coming in from into the mid-faith crisis account oh right okay so that's that's lovely <laughs> good okay and then I'll, I'll keep this next one anonymous but this is um this is titled the theology of uh, barbie <laughs> so here, here comes a quote from the movie uh creator uh you don't need my permission barbie but you're my creator don't you control me creator i couldn't control you any more than i could control my own daughter all i can do is hope for you and um, and the person went on to write, just listen to your podcast on dangerous theology. That's going back a bit, isn't it? Mm. He says, I know I'm a bit behind. Anyway, went to see Barbie last night and it had this small conversation. And it's something I've been thinking about for a while. I think I'm coming to the conclusion God's done all God's going to do for his creation. It's sorted. 
God's work is done and now God's spirit hovers over the waters ever present as it has been from the beginning of time. But God doesn't actually do anything but hope for us because God loves us. He says, anyway, as a minister, I don't feel I can suggest this to anyone yet and bat this idea around safely. So I thought I'd bring it to you, Joe and Nick. If you can pass it on, any thoughts, disagreement and pushback from you both would be gratefully received. God bless. Keep up. Good work. So there we are, this idea that God set the thing in motion and then taken, mm. it, taken her hands off it and uh, and just sort of let it go. Yeah, well, I mean, it is a view of God. as It's like the watchmaker. Yes, you know, wound exactly. It up. Wound built it, up. it, wound it up, and now lets it just uh, roll out. Mm. And I have I have some some sort of sympathy mm. with that. I think it's it's true, but to a certain extent, yeah. I I would want to live somewhere in the the tension in between the two points of view. I I genuinely don't think God intervenes in creation in the way that a lot of Christians pray, and you know, in that sort of biblical way. Yeah, sure. But neither do I think that God is just sitting back and watching. Um, This is my take on it. Anyway, I I think it's about collaboration. What are we doing together? Yeah. God works through um, his his body on earth. Jesus. We are Jesus's body. We are the body of Christ. Yeah. Literally. You know, that's I I think, you know, three three bodies of Christ, the real body, the body in the Eucharist and and us Mm. as the body. That's 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 it. So. God acts in collaboration through us, but um, yeah, I don't think so. I, I would want to say that God. I think God is in control, but not perhaps in in the way we think. I don't know how you feel. Um, yes. Again, it comes back to this rather unsatisfying uh, uh, sort of answer for people who want clarity. You know, we had that discussion recently about God's imminence and transcendence. Well, is God the ground of being, which is something I'm often saying, um, or is God a being? And there's a danger to sort of just saying no to any one of those answers because can God actually be all those things and do we see something of that reflected in the trinity um God the sort of father like a being God the son someone human we can really relate to and understand and who could communicate with this God the spirit which is this sort of ground of all being I sort of think with this particular one I don't I, I don't sort of believe in an interventionist God in the traditional way, but I don't want to say God's not active in this miraculous world where I happen to think the whole existence is a miracle. You know, so so I think it's one of those yes and no and yes and no. And, you know, it goes on. It's a paradox to hold intention. God has set things up and has has sort of to some extent given us responsibility for what happens as his body but you know could it be that she also has greater involvement than we can understand i think so yeah i i I think that's right i think you know god is always doing the work of creation again you know he's bringing order out of chaos which is what creation is largely about it's about separation of Mm. chaos into order and it's about creating life and god is always doing that mm. but I, I yeah i don't think i don't think he's sort of micromanaging yeah exactly the, the the world in that sense yeah okay thank you thank you uh cheers anon as we should call you but and, and adele um now you remember uh, adele's wonderful email from last week talking about music and in relation to losing a son to suicide mm, of course. so she actually wrote back having listened to uh 
the episode and amongst other things says there's still so much to say but just in relation to lament in the bible as nick mentioned i wonder how we can incorporate this into our worship sessions at church she said there may be a few songs which recognize how difficult life can be the ups and the downs the struggles we face but these songs then seem to quickly resolve to a place of hopefulness and unfortunately my problems aren't resolved in the space of one song or by the time we hit verse three that's <laughs> so good <laughs> it says what i do know is that singing songs about god being healer moving mountains doing the impossible and always being good feel like a slap in the face in the light of our situation and become so painful as we sing certain refrains over and over i feel like these declarations are so bold and absolute and i now feel the need for a huge chunk of small print at the bottom of the screen acknowledging that sometimes god doesn't heal doesn't move mountains and that maybe dare i say it god isn't in control but of course this is isn't uplifting and most people want hope so i know this i don't know how this fits i've often wondered why people sometimes retreat from church when they're having a hard time but now i think i understand my daughter recently attended a christian music festival when i collected her at the end of the weekend she burst into tears that kind of environment is great and offers such a lot however she felt there was nowhere for her grief there she felt she had to hold it in all weekend as everyone else seemed so happy and full of joy. She came up with the brilliant idea that maybe these events need a tear tent, a place where you can retreat from the fun, typically happy Christian environment and just be real and let the tears flow. I thought this was a brilliant idea. And then she ends by saying some very nice things. So uh, that's great. Thank you. Much love to you both. So thank you again, Adele. And I definitely relate to that. Well, you know, your problems should be better by, by verse three. Yeah. <laughs> and and it does annoy me about some of those Psalms that, you know, that sort of go on about how terrible life is. And then it's, yet I will praise you. And it's sort of, you know, I, I like more the Psalm 88s that just go, you know, death is my only friend. And I kind of leave mm. it there. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's sink to the depths and not try and not try and resolve it because sometimes that's what you need to hear. <laughs> uh, there's so much to like in that email. I, I mean, yeah. obviously, the idea of a tear tent is isn't that is wonderful? Brilliant. Yeah, and and I think that's probably the solution here is is to make space to acknowledge those kinds of feelings or to acknowledge that there are people there who have those kinds of feelings. I think that's, I, I don't think at times I've been in church when I've felt really broken. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm not mm. expecting church just to change everything around to sort of get involved totally in my grief or my, my pain. Yeah, sure. But I would like some acknowledgement that it's real yeah, and that it exists and it's a meaningful part of life. And so a space in the service or a physical space in a festival seems to me a, a, a way of doing that. I mean, I mean, seriously, I would, I would absolutely write to people at festivals and go, what about this? Why haven't you done this? How about having a tear tent? Yeah. I think yeah. that's a really good idea. Um, it, it also made me think just to say for any church leaders um, listening, you know, what, what an impossible task they have to, to lead a church, you know, where you've got so much going on amongst the people there and, you know, how hard to pitch it right. And I think as is so often the case, as we've quoted Bananarama many times, it ain't what you do, it's the way that you do it. And I think just to acknowledge at some point in the service, if you're going to sing a lot of praise songs about how great 
God is and how great life is and how you're going to praise God for with every breath you have to just be able to acknowledge some of you might not want to do this right now and that's okay mm. you know even that would be would be a step in the right direction I yeah think. and I think I love the idea of terms and conditions by the way yes to, uh, what a great sort of, idea you know it'd be like those like those radio adverts where they sort of give the advert and then right at the end say the value of investment might go, might go up and down and you know all that kind <laughs> yeah, of stuff. exactly you know, to just finish instead of a kind of middle eight it could just do that at some point yeah it could yeah it, yeah. <laughs> yeah in the middle eight, it could suddenly sing bits about yeah we're not quite sure this works and we can't guarantee any true blessedness and in <laughs> yeah. fact your all your camels and your you know everything could be disappear from you just cite job um yeah, I I think also it's very hard for worship leaders. I think yes, it is. You know, it's a tough from, gig. I, it's a tough gig because actually there are, there isn't the material available. Mm. You know, even if they wanted to do it, there isn't the stuff often available to sing. I, I was really struck meeting um, Christians who who have suffered unbelievable trauma. Uh, I don't need to go into the details. Christian women mm. who have suffered unbelievable mm. trauma, and as part of their um, I won't say healing process, but a sort of um, restoration process. Yeah. Um, one of the songs they sing is "I Have Decided to Follow Jesus." Yeah. And uh, and they sing it crying as, because almost it's as a so lament. painful. Yeah. Wow. But it's a it's a very very powerful statement. Look, I you know I am wading through absolute bongos here. Yeah, and yet I, I'm, I, I'm still going to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. Yeah. Um. So we kind of need songs, I think, that that allow that kind of interpretation. I think. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Thanks, Adele, again. So much good stuff. No, thank you so much. Mm. And then Philip wrote in and said, just listen to podcast uh, around the thoughts on music. Wonderful. Both the amazing contributions from the listeners, both of your reflections and comments. Here's a few of my own. I listened to a programme on BBC Radio 4 a few days ago called How to Play, and this episode was Foray's Requiem. The programme touched on several of the points made by you and your listeners. The specific one for me was that Foray's Requiem was written to bring hope and consolation to its listeners rather than other requiems which had strong elements of judgment and punishment to warn against the perils of eternity in hell. Someone said it was a, a death lullaby rather than a warning. Perhaps this speaks of using our God-given creativity for personal slash social reasons rather than sacred uplifting reasons. I'm sure the other requiems have positive aspects, but in contrast to forays, the intent is different. Also, there is more of lament and comfort than rousing and challenging. I was also struck by one contributor to the BBC programme saying that Foray seemed to write this requiem with the expectation that everyone was going to go to heaven rather than there being a final separation of good from bad. That encouraged my rather more universalist theology, which I'm sure can be more comforting than the other approaches. I'm not a classical music buff, but this cerebral information seemed to help me appreciate the heartfelt dimension of music that had previously been good but not special. How interesting is the interplay between our mind, heart, soul and body? Blessings. And that's from Philip. Yeah, really good. Really interesting. I, I mm. like I like that it's it's, you know, it's about hope and consolation rather mm. than, um, you know, judgment and punishment. I think that's very important. Um and I suppose for me, it sort of cycles around and brings me back almost to what we 
witted on about a while back with the, the Lord's Prayer. Mm. Um, because I, I, while I was sort of reading up about, I, I did some a bit of reading on the Lord's Prayer. There's a book called, oh, is it called The Lord's Prayer in the Early Church? Something like that. But there was a quote in that, which I thought was really interesting. It's by a guy called uh, Peter Chrysologus, mm. which I think means golden word. Nice. But I thought he was a James Bond villain. <laughs> anyway, it does sound um, like it. he was apparently a fifth century bishop of Ravenna, but you probably uh, knew that. Mm, of course. Yeah. But when he when he talks about the, the Lord's Prayer, he talks about this idea, in fact, that it's it's a kind of expression of, of love rather than judgment. Mm. Um, he said this. He said, for he who has changed from a judge into a father has a wish to be loved, not feared. Mm. You know, and I, I really like that. I think that's that's good. That's the heart of it. And and that is, I think, what I guess is being said here about Forrest Requiem. You know, that it's, it's about hope and consolation. Mm. And love in these moments and not, you know, fear of death and fear of destruction and fear of judgment, Mm. really. Good. Well, shall I move on to Jane? Uh, Jane sent, and it seems relevant to to this discussion, Jane sent in an article from The Guardian, which was following the death of Sinead O'Connor, about how music affects our brains. And I just want to read a little excerpt from it because it's very good. It says, in recent years, scientists have tried to deconstruct and quantify the ways in which songs can provoke and amplify emotions. One of the most significant of those studies broke down the mechanism of music into component parts that include brain brainstem reflexes, emotional contagion, visual imagery and musical expectancy. Now, it's this musical expectancy that she's writing in that the last quality has been of particular interest to researchers who see parts of the brain associated with pleasure and pain light up when they hear chords and notes that deviate from predictable harmony. That's interesting. Yeah, our brains are wired to pick up the music that we expect one professor of music psychologically explained of these studies. So when we're listening to music, our brain is constantly trying to guess what comes next. And generally, music is consonant rather than dissonant. So we expect a nice chord. When that chord is not quite what we expect, it gives emotional frisson because it's unexpected. And then it says, yeah, the, the article finishes, well, now go and listen to Nothing Compares to You. And actually, there's lots of that going on it doesn't do what you expect and that's that's part of the reason there's so much power in that particular Mm. song which i thought was quite interesting yes isn't that fascinating and maybe Mm. why we're so dissatisfied with routine songs worship songs or otherwise you know songs that follow predictable patterns predictable statements yeah predictable chord sequences we've heard it all before yeah what you what you actually want is some dissonance yes indeed you need something to make you sit up and listen. And is that what we bring? Do we bring an emotional frisson? <laughs> I you? hope so. I want to. You know, <laughs> I think that's our mission. Bring more emotional frisson in life. Yes. Yes. And uh, and just to say, and uh, again, what another great loss to the musical community. Uh, Sinead O'Connor, of course. And, you know, just how desperately sad her life yes. has been. And, um, yeah. Loving thoughts to all who know her mm. and all who have enjoyed her music, who are feeling sad, I guess. 
Yeah, it's very sad, wasn't it? Mm. But look, uh, we should we should finish up actually. We should. We've witted on quite quite a time, really, with all this emotional frisson. We, it, it, this direct. emotional frisson of ours is getting out of control. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that phrase is going to run and run. Uh, so so we should uh, we should finish up. Thank you very much uh, for listening, as ever. Yeah. And uh, thank you to those who uh, contribute to the podcast, either through sending emails. And where do they send those emails to, Joe? To joe at midfaithcrisis.org. Indeed. Uh, for those who leave nice reviews, for those who recommend the podcast to friends, that's lovely. For those who, who support us. Yeah, thank you. Um, that's great. And you can you can support us um, by going to the website and uh, following the links there. That would be great. We really appreciate that. We really do. Thank you. And well, this is this has been the two hundred and fiftieth episode. It's two hundred and fifty, so we should finish with emotional frisson. We should. <laughs> Let's do something unexpected, and and bring an emotional frisson to all our listeners. Yes, indeed. Let's do that. <laughs>